Hello! And welcome to We Heard Wonders the Music Podcast. It's for my people. My party people, yo. Yo! That was a very um, Messy Elliot style intro there. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you very much. And there's going to be a really subtle link to Messy Elliot coming up very soon. Pop oh. pickers. So. People won't even notice it. It'll be so smooth. But yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Who am I? My name is Ian. I'm a guitarist in Glasgow band, The Deadline Shakes. And if you wish, you can find us on all the social media platforms at Deadline Shakes. And who are you? And I am Andrew. I buy records and write about them on Instagram at kidagh86. And on the seventh day, the Lord created Andrew's Instagram at kidagh86. And he said, it is good. I'm wondering where I'm wondering how I can like top this every week, like what I can say that's going to be greater and greater praise. But I'm getting to the point now where I'm a little bit running out, so I might have to just come down the way a few steps. Like uh, follow Andrew on Instagram; it's a pretty good Instagram, you know. Like just come down the way a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, because the problem is these claims are getting grander and grander every week. I'm posting less and less. I just <laughs> don't have the time. I just can't support these claims anymore. <laughs> there was a time when it was like that, but now. Um, how you doing anyway? You good? I am well, yeah. I'm pretty chilled. The kind of chilled that you that you get to when you're podcasting at half ten at night. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of get into that kind of chilled zone. You're chilled, you're podcasting half ten at night, two days after you were supposed to podcast, because your podcast partner has had some <laughs> sort of vile sickness bug for two days. Indeed, um, indeed. How are you? How are you feeling? I'm fine. It's it's one of those strange ones, and I know that this is a part of the podcast that'll be relatable to everyone because I've just had that kind of sickness bug you get every couple of years, where basically you're fine, you're at your work, everything's all right, then you go up the road and you basically just vomit, and you're just sick for 24 hours like a dog, and you mm-hmm. feel you feel rubbish, and then just you just sit up and you go. Oh, that's me again. I'm fine. <laughs> Is that's what? That's just what happened. So you'll be able to tell from me now talking. Like I'm not grim ill or anything like that. But like last two days, it was just misery. Um, I actually had spring that, cleaning for your body. Ah, uh, probably. I had a. Um, I was working from home yesterday, and I had a, a meeting that was really long. It was from like half nine to two o'clock on Microsoft Teams, and I had to basically do quite a lot of it. Uh, you can see me obviously on video, but I basically had a blanket up to about here. <laughs> I was just sitting like having a pure, having the worst time of my life on this video call. Also, I had I, I actually not only did I not have anything to say on the video call, I actually wasn't allowed to speak un- for until uh, there was about a fifteen-minute <laughs> portion at the very end of it where I actually said stuff. So um, my presence was not sorely missed. I, I just couldn't say. be trusted to to speak even. No. Now, I was just randomly wondering if you wanted to talk about Missy Elliott going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if that would at all be something you'd be interested in speaking about with me. Um, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> here's me driving about, thinking about things that can go in our podcast, and on comes Radio 5 Live. Now, strangely, as a music podcaster, I love talk radio. Like I only, I almost exclusively listen to talk radio, which I guess is kind of podcasting in its own way. Um, and I was listening to Nihal this afternoon on Radio 5 Live, and he was talking about, and they had a wee presentation about the 2023 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I think was notable because Missy Elliott has just, is 
being announced that Missy Elliott's going to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And the reason this is kind of interesting is because there are practically no hip-hop artists in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at all. So there's NWA, Public Enemy, and pretty much Missy Elliott and Notorious B.I.G. And that's kind of it. Um, that's because those rap stars, they, they're not rock and roll. Oh. That's, not, that's, not, that's, that's not rock and roll music. That's not even music, Ian. <laughs> it's just noises in time. It's just noises. Um, rock, and hoppers. <laughs> rock and roll is such a nebulous term, I always find as well. I mean, what does it, to you, what does that actually mean? Like, rock and roll hall of fame, who would you put in? Like, forget about who is actually in, but like, who who to you is the category of artist who goes into that? Is it everyone? Is it just broadly popular music you're in? Or do you think specifically rock and roll, whatever that actually means? I always link it with Rolling Stone magazine and, and, and what they would kind of consider rock and roll. So, I don't know, things like the Eagles or Credence or that kind of thing, you know, I think that, that that's what I think of when I think of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, which basically suggests that it implies that I don't have a very, you know, strong opinion or a good opinion of it. And I think that, I think that is the kind of, that's the way that it's gone for years, really. It's, it's kind of got this reputation of being quite a, a hoary old man's club kind of thing. And, I think I think like Rolling Stone are trying to do with their kind of recent list. They're trying to readdress the balance a little bit, but yeah, it's, maybe it's a little not, bit. It's definitely not too little diverse. too late. It's definitely no. not diverse. It's like all Fleetwood Mac are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and so are each of the members of Fleetwood Mac individually. And right. I mean, listen, I like Fleetwood Mac. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but that seems a little excessive. And the Beatles are all in, but they're all in individually as well. So um, it's a bit of a bit of a strange one. So here's an artist that's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm not sure why. Iron Maiden are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thoughts? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would imagine if there's going to be a Hall of Fame for for rock music, they should be in there somewhere. Definitely, just in terms of the amount of records they've sold, if nothing else, yeah. the, the kind of places that they sell out. Um, not a massive fan myself, but I'd imagine that they should be in there. I mean, it's kind of mad that, that one of the the main people that's been added this time around is Kate Bush. Mm. I mean, the idea that there's any kind of music hall of fame and Kate Bush isn't in there somewhere is just mad. And and she she's came out and said that she's shocked that she's finally been included. I think because she's obviously I think it's just her being a bit kind of humble and stuff. But I think it's also a bit of a you know a bit of a kind of lashing out a little bit or a slagging off of of what this Hall of Fame is kind of what the kind of idea of it is. Well, this is the thing, right? So Kate Bush, a legend in, in, in popular music and a writer of very interesting music, sometimes so off-kilter and weird that it's kind of hard to appreciate parts of it. Um, and you've definitely delved into more Kate Bush than I have, for sure. Um, but the idea that Kate Bush is in the year after her music was popular in a TV show um, kind of explains to me what these Rock and Roll Hall of Fame folk are actually all about. Like, So, for example, Iron Maiden aren't in, but Black Sabbath are. And I think the main reason for that is that Iron Maiden don't really have an Aussie-type figure who's, like, you know, all about kind of getting your ratings and, and yes, all that absolutely. kind of stuff, a, a sort of caricature-type 
chap at the front. So, um, I mean, Bruce Dickinson appeals to what, like, people who do fencing, you know, pilots. You know, that's that's who Iron Maiden really, really appeal to. That's their core audience. So, um, anyway, yeah, I just it was just interesting to me. And we'd never, it's something we've never spoken about. Um, and I think we've both now expressed that we don't give a monkey's about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, um, well, not put, especially, no, not especially. No. Although it's always nice to see George being included. So, George Michael's another one that's been added in. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that you can. You can dismiss, but it's still nice when you when your when your guys get in there. Yeah. Um and it's good that they are finally at, you know trying to, to add a few big stars from some of these other genres. I mean, yeah, Missy Elliott, the first ever female hip hop artist to be added. So, you know, that's that's progress of sorts, I guess. Yeah. So even, even though it doesn't really matter. On the great list of music podcasting topics, we can now, along with Marzipan Tick off the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get ourselves back on with today's episode, which is the real reason for our appearance online this evening. Um, so we're going to review some new music. It's what we're good at, I think. Um, and so who are we going to listen to? Quite a diverse uh, selection this week, I think. So this week we've got brand new music from Jesse Ware. Nabaya Iqbal, The Dream Machine, Isolde Lassoen, and Rudy Deanda. Very nice. And, and uh, before we get on with that, um, we should say hello to Gary Knight, who is a long-term listener to the show and who got in contact with us this week. So if I could just read uh, Gary's lovely message to you here, Ian, see what you make of it. What's up, so Gary? Chat. What's up, Gary? So he says, chaps, which is a, a lovely way to, to kind of start the message and yes. for him to think of us in that way. Accurate. Uh, absolutely. So he says, chaps, though I've not been in touch recently, I'm still an avid listener. Thank you, Gary. I'm loving your work. Thank you, Gary. Thank, thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> particularly enjoyed this week's debate on Scotland slash Romford and authentic versus affectation. Ian's jingoistic ramblings were quite impressive. <laughs> I, I, I just added that bit. Sorry. He added that bit. That's not nice. That's not, that's not Gary. That's not, that's Gary. not accurate. Um, I've never really bought into the idea of authenticity in pop music, says Gary. Very overrated. I'd say the bulk of pop music is predicated on the notion of putting on a costume, a voice, a character. It's all about pretending, really, isn't it? Is what Gary says. So... Would you agree with that, Ian? Is it all about pretending? Let me tell you something about Gary's message there, right? Gary is a very erudite chap, clearly. Writes a good message. Knows how to butter our turnips before we even get started, right? Calls mm-hmm. us chaps. Says he's loving our work. And then he says, you know, all about the the, the pretending in pop music. And to be honest, like, obviously, and I, I would agree with that, there is an extent, there is a level to which everyone is really putting on a little mask. Every every time you go on a stage and you perform music, even if it's just something as like straightforward as like singer-songwriter and you're just sitting there with an acoustic guitar and perform, there is an element of performance to that, of course. Um, yeah. What I specifically don't like is when you get the whiff that it is really a kind of wry affectation 
and it, there's there's something lacking in terms of the belief in the thing that you're doing, um, and that the the authenticity of the thing that you're doing. You kind of know, ah, this is all just a bit of a joke, really. You know, it's not to be taken too seriously. When I get the sniff of that specifically, then that's when the the, the fourth wall is completely broken for me. And I just see behind the, the curtain and it's all Wizard of Oz at that point for me. So that specifically is what I don't like. Obviously, I do really like, you know, some really kind of silly arch stuff. I mean, I like Kiss. I like Iron Maiden. We mentioned them already. Right. Um, you know, I like Ghost to give it a more modern metal twist as well. So I, I like Slipknot. So I do like a theatre and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, that's a massive affectation. But um, when you just get the whiff that they don't, mean it in some way that's when i'm not having it so uh so there you go gary um thanks for your message though that's a lovely message and it's nice to know folk are, are thinking do you think we have the smartest listeners of any music podcast oh surely absolutely absolutely i mean just the very fact that here implies intelligence and good looks and wealth and charisma 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 as well. Charisma. Um, okay, that's that's fairly blatant. So we might as well say, and if you fancy subscribing to the show and giving and us rich. Some, some and rich, and if you want to help us out financially, you can actually do that. And um, just go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash we heard wonders, where we will happily take your latte money and turn it into music podcasts. So without further ado, let's get on with this first new music track of the evening. So um brilliant punctuation in this one. So this is JC Weir with that feels good. Here we go.
Well, that's lovely stuff from Jesse Weir with that. Feels good. And what I'm wondering is, what is that that feels good? Well, I think I can guess. Um, shaking a bottle of pink champagne, sugar and salt it, lick that lime, lick it, lick it. Well, freedom is a sound and pleasure is a right. Well, I think I think we I think we can guess what she's where she's going here. Um, well, that's just rude, isn't it? It's just rude. A little bit funny, a little bit flirty. Quite frankly, filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Does any but, do, I, uh, do, do, do our parents still listen to this? Mine don't. I think so. I think I'm all right. What about yours? No, I don't think mine ever have. <laughs> right, so we're fine to get grubby then. That's fine. <laughs> so Jesse clearly, Jesse and the band there are are talking about, I think, sexual intercourse. I think that's what they're talking about. Oh my! Anyway, which is very, which is actually to be serious for a second, actually very appropriate for the musical genre that we're in, which is clearly a big. Fat slice of disco throwback. Um, yeah, feels very appropriate to review this just after talking about affectation and so on. But this track, to me, if you told me this was like New York nineteen seventies and you just found this in some box of unmarked vinyl and you go, ah, oh, I don't know what this is, let's put it on, and it was this, and this was authentically from that time period, I'd probably have believed you. You know, it's really got that ring of that ring of truth about it. Um, and I it think does. I think it's really fun, and it is flirty, as you said. But it sounds like it has that kind of like air of sort of um, kind of naivety and simplicity to it as well. That's kind of alluring. And if this came on in a club, if you were in a, a in a nightclub and this came on, man, you'd be shaking that thang. Oh, I promise. I'll, I promise. I'll never say that again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's totally evoking those kind of eighties disco, seventies and eighties disco legends, really like Cool and the Gang, or yeah. you know, um, even the title makes you think of "That's the Way I Like It" by mm-hmm. Casey and the Sunshine Band. Um, Donna Summer. It's got some. It's got some of the kind of funkier Afrobeat rhythms that were on some of those Talking Heads records around that time as well, which, which are really cool. But it's it's, it's that man again, uh, James Ford, who's on production. Uh, on this album, um, and he's just amazing at all those period details. You know, there's like all the way through this album, there's synths and strings and horn stabs and your, your chic Neil Rogers guitar, and yeah, it's, it's great. It's great stuff. Um, Rogers esque. It is definitely. Um, so it's kind of a continuation for Jesse Bear. So back in. 2020, there was a host of these uh, pop divas that were releasing these kind of throwback disco records, the kind of club bangers in search for club because everybody was in their kitchens doing their kitchen discos. But um, so you had like uh, Roisin Murphy, Kylie, Sophie Ellis Bexter, Dua Lipa. Uh, but Jessie Ware's record from that year, in my opinion, was just the, the best of the lot, really. She was the one that was able to turn those kitchen discos into. Your kind of opulent party palace, if you like. Just she's just really kind of classy, um, and yeah, just all those little PD details and just really good taste on her part as well. So that her reference points, like she can blondie, 
ESG, Madonna, 80s George Michael, just really, really cool. Um, and that album from that year, What's Your Pleasure, was just a really well-structured record as well. It kind of played um, like a movie almost with like a beginning, like a kind of curtain raiser at the, at the start and then uh, this kind of really dramatic closer at the end. Um, and then in between there was just a mix of just really well well thought out, kind of slinky, saucy, sensual, sultry disco numbers all the way through. Just a really fantastic record. So with that with that record, it really kind of brought her to a new audience. Um, and it was a kind of comeback record for her after uh, her kind of losing her confidence. Um, after Because she started off as this kind of like quite cool, relatively, yeah, just very kind of sultry and very cool um singer who who was kind of coming out of the the electronic scene so she'd done like tracks with subtract and um and a, a lot of her kind of early records were really kind of big on pitchfork and things like that um and then she had one record that that didn't do well and then she kind of lost her confidence and i think it was like through doing a podcast and taking some time away that she kind of discovered who she was and, and she, she discovered that she was able to kind of get her personality across through the podcast. And then, you know, when we're talking about affectation, I don't think there's any affectation here because this is just exactly what she what she loves and how she wants to present herself. Um, So, yeah, so that album was a massive hit and now we've got a kind of continuation of it here with this new one. Um, And for this one, she's got uh, the Afro Jazz group Coco Roco in to do uh, some of the live instrumentation in the brass as well, which is a really nice addition and a lot of the tracks on this album. Um, and it's, it's, it's another strong record. I think it's not quite as fully formed for me as, as the last one. I don't know if it'll have the kind of longevity in terms of uh, your time on your, your turntable, but there's a lot of really, really good uh, tracks again. Um, and as I say, she's reunited with James Ford for this one, and she's also got Stuart Price in, who's who's the kind of the big money transfer, if you like, for this album. <laughs> so he he's he's done some work on Madonna's Confessions of a Dance Floor and Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. So so yeah, so he's kind of bringing some of his kind of polished pop punch to some of the tracks. But um, yeah, I think it's just a, a really really nice package and. Uh, there's a lot of that kind of, you know, that, that, what, what I uh, quoted earlier, freedom is a sound and pleasure is a right. So it's kind of continuing some of the similar themes that Self-Esteem was doing with her last album, the Prioritised Pleasure album. So I think a lot of those kind of ideas of that kind of self-empowerment is, is very kind of modern, even if the sound is, is quite retro. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's a sort of feel-good track and it's about it is about empowerment and and choice and all that sort of stuff i noticed that pitchfork had gone down a line in the review of the records um all about um gender and all about um race and and all this kind of stuff and looking at the record from a kind of sociological point of view as opposed to listening to it for what it actually is and i'm not disagreeing with what they've actually said about the record obviously disco does have a, a a big role in lots of different cultures and so on so i don't want to diminish that but what i merely mean to say is that i think that that kind of puts the actual achievement of this music to one side yeah because this is just yeah i was just gonna say it's a big fat slab of fun and i think adding loads Mm -hmm. of brainy stuff along with it kind of detracts a little bit from the fun of it i agree with that yeah i think pitchfork can just be a little bit 
guilty of that sometimes, can't they? They can get get a little bit caught up in that and not actually talk about how the music actually makes you feel. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure a lot of that kind of sociological stuff plays into this record as much as nah. something like the Beyonce record from last year. Yeah, I think this is more of a just a fun throwback. Yeah, and and so know the worst for it. Let's just enjoy it for what it is and not not overcomplicate things a little bit, you know. Um, I will say also that I do, I, I mean, I generally do like a little bit of wider context on what I'm listening to and Pitchfork is pretty good at that generally. But I, this was just one where I was kind of like, I, I'm not making the connection between what I'm listening to and what I'm reading. And yeah. I, I don't know why we're even trying. Can't we just say this absolutely slaps and I'll just move on with our lives and enjoy <laughs> it for what it is, you know what I mean? Um Okay, so are we going to listen to something a little different now? So this is uh, Nabi Ha Iqbal, and this track is called This World Couldn't See Us.
Ah, Nabiha Iqbal with This World Couldn't See Us. So I'm going to tell you, Andrew, about a wonderful CD purchase that I made in the year 2005. And I wonder if this is one that you know about or not. Um, So in 2005, I remember being in a record shop and randomly, for no reason whatsoever, just seeing a really cool record or a CD cover. And I thought, "Hmm, I don't know what that is. Let me look at it. And it was called 12 Inches of the 80s. It was like a pink cover and it had like a, a ghetto blaster on the front. And basically what it was was a compilation of various artists from the 1980s who had been producing 12-inch records. And then they would release the single, but on the B side, they would have like all this space. So what they did was they would basically release an extended version of the original track, but maybe it would be like double the length. Okay. And yep. I'm good. I'm just, have you heard of this, this compilation? Yeah. Um, it rings a bell. I'm sure I'd recognise the cover. Yeah, you probably. But, yeah, would. but I'm very familiar with the the concept. The concept, yeah. Twelve inch. Yeah. So, so the, I'll just give you the, like the first ten tracks on this, right? Because this was a very formative CD purchase for me because it, mm-hmm. it opened my mind to the like music from the '80s, which I hadn't really paid a huge amount of attention to up to that point. So, the first track is uh, "A Forest" by The Cure. Wonderful. It's the extended Fantastic. mix. Amazing. Fantastic track. Uh, Aztec cameras walk out to winter. The long version. I'm going to stop saying the long version. These are all the long versions, right? <laughs> um, track three. Just take it as read that they're all the long versions. This is the long versions, right? Uh, track three, Soft Cell's Tainted Love, which they translate into Where Did Our Love Go? A cover of Where Did Our Love Go? Right. Is um, that the short version or the long version? It's actually the long version. It is right, the longer yeah. of the versions. Um, track four, ABC, Tears Are Not Enough. Tune. Tune. Um, long version. It is. Uh, Simple Minds promised you a miracle. One of the very few good Simple Minds songs, I think. Um, to cut a long story short, I've lost my mind by Spandau Valley. One and, of the few good Spandau songs. And a long one. And Echo and the Bunnymen, Never Stop, Discotheque. One of the many good Echo and the Bunnymen tracks. And so it goes on and goes on. That, and actually, that's a, a cracking track list, that. It's actually, it was like a triple CD. So there's actually like 30 odd tracks on there. And I remember listening to that and every track I would get to and I was like, oh, wow, Grace Jones. Oh, wow, Human League. Oh, and it's all this stuff one after the other. Now, if Nabiha Iqbal has the CD, I wouldn't be surprised because that yeah. is exactly what we just sounded. That's exactly what we heard. As soon as we started listening to that, I thought, aha. But I mean, I don't mean like discovery, aha. I mean like literally, aha. That sounds take like me. <laughs> take me a lot. Um, yeah, and she didn't want his court case today, so I think she's safe. But um, that that <laughs> first like thirty seconds it is it's quite quite tight to uh, to uh, the old aha. But I I think that I think the references on this track are incredible. I've looked at her bibliography and I really I really enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So it is. It's, I mean, this track's actually a little bit of an outlier on the album, actually. But it is is. And I'm going to be going to the album in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, this track is just pure early 80s, isn't it? It's just that kind of post-punk, new wave, new romantic era. Um, early Cure was definitely something I had written down. I was even like thinking of A Forest, actually, when, when I was when I was listening to it. Uh, new Order, uh, some of the spoken word sections of like the Pet Shop Boys 
tracks as well and definitely take on me with those dynamic boomy drums yeah there's 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 a there's a lot of tracks that have kind of taken that similar drum pattern um, and pretty much any any track with that kind of drum pattern, I'm probably going to like it. I'm it's just got like, a real energy to it. It really like drives into the track. It, it really does. It really does. And I'm thinking the, like Grimes', is, Grimes um, her track Visions, which was a kind of breakthrough track, that's, that's kind of got those drums as well and that's a brilliant track. Even Alpha Beat, their track Fascination. Yeah. Fascination. Yeah, that's actually I actually really like that track, but that, that's that's got the take on me drums all the way through as well. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I just and, and the kind of detached vocals over over that kind of dynamic beat, it just just works really well. It's got a kind of sense of romance to it, but also a sense of regret, um, that kind of melancholy that works on on so many of those tracks that you mentioned as well. Um. And yeah, I think I think this is a really good version of that. I think uh, one of the things that I definitely thought in review of this track was so impeccable sources, as I've said, and this is a this is a really well recorded piece of music. Like when the bass comes in, I particularly like the bass and the electric guitar on this. All of it's good. The drums are good, but I particularly like the bass and electric guitar. When the bass comes in, whoever the bass player is has done a really clever thing where they're playing quite high notes on the bass. It's so reminiscent of Peter Hook. Like it is so yeah. it's it's not just it's not just the sound, it's also the playing style. And so I can only imagine whoever the bass player is there, they 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 love Peter Hook and uh, so da. So does everyone, basically. Um the guitar playing as well has enough kind of treble um and so brightness and like chorus and delay and stuff to give you that kind of melancholic feel so even though that it's just kind of washing over the main notes of the the chords it it's the way it resonates the guitar it it gives you this kind of like sort of slightly kind of you're kind of looking back with the regret but it might be positive it's a mixture of negative and the, the guitar playing it, it does that you know it it's it's really really well done now what i will say from a songwriting point of view is this was very reminiscent to me of the, the long versions, the 12 inch versions of popular songs, but where, say, A Forest by The Cure is actually like a really well crafted song over a short period of time that there is a longer version of where they do get into kind of a groove and repeat things. This just is more of the groove and it is a little bit, it doesn't really move in terms of, in terms of structure. And that obviously works in terms of, as you said, the kind of um downbeat vocal style over the top, which is which is which is which is a choice. Um so I really like that. This is not a critique of that. This is I really like that. I like that this is kind of um it has structural movement, but it is it is a mood piece, this, and it gets you in a particular yeah. place and it kind of holds you there. Um so I, I overall I really enjoyed this. I will say, however, that Verse two. I don't know if you've had a quick look at the lyrics or not, but if you if you want to if you want to do that, then now's the time. Verse two um, could be a line from um, Game of Thrones, um, and you know that uh, the venerable Mrs. Hall and I do enjoy sending each other rubbish about uh, House of the Dragon. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, listen to this right now. If I read this lyric, but I put it in a kind of Game of Thronesy voice, right? See if it gives you the see if it gives you the wash, the Game of Thrones. The, I'll I'll broaden it out to the fantasy wash. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> if death is freedom, then kill me now, she said as she took his hand, standing side by side before the gates of horn and ivory, before unforgiving <laughs> destiny. Before fate that grants no mercy. <laughs> I, did, I, did that sound at all like a fantasy novel? I can definitely see that. Really. <laughs> it, it's this kind of intri- I, I was I was trying to kind of work out exactly what's happening in the track. It seems to it seems like like the first verse is kind of looking back at this kind of ideal version of the past. This kind of ideal romance. Um, but but it's been told from the vantage point of this more difficult present, where like obviously the rom- the romance has been doomed to fail, kind of thing. Um, I don't know. Like some of some of it reads almost like a kind of suicide pact. See when when, when they're when they're holding hands and when you're saying if death is freedom, then kill me now. I was I was trying to like work out exactly what was happening with that. It also mentions swollen thighs, and I just don't know what that means. Yeah, swollen river, swollen eyes, swollen thighs, swollen pride. Um, Did they just need a rhyme for eyes? Possibly. I, I think. I think that's kind of like your, your kind of teen fumbling, and, and those oh. kind of teen emotions as well when you're talking about swollen pride. That that's how I kind of took it. Feels good. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm joking around a little bit with the track because I'm trying to be uh, podcasty and entertaining and whatever, which th- those listening might go, yes, you're really trying, but you're not really mm-hmm. hitting it. But my, but my my genuine review of this is, this is a music style that I really, really like. And I like that there is the attempt to take you to a place and it's kind of uncertain and it's a little bit melancholy, but it's also hopeful as well. I like it. I like this track. It yeah. wasn't what I, it was what I was expecting. I, yeah, it, it captures something of the kind of teenage romance for me that that kind of this world couldn't see us, this world couldn't keep us. It's that kind of idea that nobody understands us. It's kind of you and me against the world kind of thing. Yeah. Um, on on the like, record, I like sleeve. that sentiment, and I like how how the, the the track kind of evokes that feeling as well. Yeah, Nabiha is wearing on the record sleeve a, a Jeff Buckley T-shirt, which I'm fully in approval of. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. So um, there's, a, it, there's a romantic in there somewhere for sure. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, kind of following on from last week as well. Nabi is very much somebody who's embedded within the arts, so she's kind of, you know, she's a, a musician, she's a DJ, a collaborator. Um, she's a visual artist and she's also guest director at this year's uh, Brighton Festival as well so a kind of arts festival so she's kind of involved in a lot of different um, kind of branches of the arts mm. She's also um, an, a knight of the Seven Kingdom and the first <laughs> of her name and a dragon slayer as well uh, I, Absolutely and, then, and the album flits all over the shop so you've got tracks that are more kind of dream pop some that are indie, some like like we heard their new wave post punk, and then there's some a lot of kind of electronica that, that's that's really quite effective on the album. Actually, there's some really good electronic tracks on there. There's a little bit of house. There's a, a lot of spoken word as well. So yeah, so it kind of flits all over the shop. 
Um, I'm not sure all of it works. I think she's still maybe kind of trying to work out exactly what her kind of strongest suit is, but um, it's definitely worth a listen. Yeah, I'd say so. So, well done, Nabaha. That gets the that gets the thumbs up. Um, right next is uh, the Dream Machine with the track Lola in the Morning. Here we go. So that is, I always feel nervous about saying this because I invariably get this wrong, but I believe that is from the record called Thank God It's the Dream Machine. Am I right? You are, you're right. Yes. Well good, good, good. So the Dream Machine there with two minutes and 46 seconds of pretty dreamy little slice of 60s pop music. And I don't mind telling you, I really, really like that. I really like that. That is right, right up my alley. And when I was doing my little bit of research on the Dream Machine, I saw a bunch of things that I liked. And I don't know if I'm going to stand on your biographical toes here, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Yeah, go for it. Batter me later. But when I looked up their Twitter, 
So a bunch of things that I really like. So one is these guys are uh, four chaps. They're out and about. They're actually touring, making making music right now. Um, and there's lots of people on Twitter saying, great show, guys, and everything. So I love that. And, it, and this is not a criticism because if they end up hearing this review, they don't have like a million Twitter followers. They're still relatively um, a small act. I also like that. Um, and I love to see them like that. They're obviously blossoming at the moment. This is a really, really well written track. It's really well recorded. It's lots of fun. The Twitter has on it um, a lovely chap from the Coral, who likes this. Yeah, th- who likes this track as well. Um, so, and it reminds me of the Coral quite a lot, but not in an aping way, just in a sort of general, general feel kind of way. Um, and I, I think I pretty much liked everything about this. I like the harmonies. I like the song construction. It comes in. It doesn't stay too long. It says what it's got to say. And it, it leaves you with a, just a kind of an overall peaceful and easy feeling to misquote the Eagles. So, yeah, loved it. Couldn't I didn't find out a lot about them beyond that in terms of biography. I don't know if you've got much more than than I have. Um, yeah, I've got a little bit of stuff about them. So they describe themselves as an acid pop and roll act from the Wirral Peninsula. So they're from the Coral's kind of um, you know part of town. Um, and they have garnered quite a few comparisons with the Coral, as you say. And they actually supported them in concert last year as well. So they do have the kind of patronage of uh, the Coral, which is cool. Um, and yeah, I think they, they kind of go in that kind of lighter, more melodic end of your kind of nugget style garage rock. Um, but there's that kind of little bit of British darkness going on there as well, kind of lurking beneath the surface, which I quite like. Um, it was a few, a few weeks ago we were talking about just how strange and weird a lot of the, the kind of early choral stuff was in amongst all the singles. Now, they do have a few darker moments on uh, the Dream Machine album. There's a track called TV Baby slash Satan's Child. Uh, there's one called uh, White Shadow Blues. And there's an intermission that they they said that they were wanting to... to um, achieve something similar to the Manson Family Sings album. Uh, mixed with something from the Joker soundtrack, so so there the, there are kind of attempts to to make some kind of darker, moodier moments, and amongst uh, some of these really kind of catchy, likable songs, such as the one that we heard. Um, and I guess in, in the same way that when uh, No Gallagher was like championing the Coral and taking them on tour with them, and that kind of led uh, them to being kind of picked up by the kind of larger section of the Oasis audience. I think there's something that maybe the, the Coral's audience. You know, hopefully they'll be introduced to this uh, group as well because it they are they are quite an exciting. It's it's always kind of cool to see, you know, kind of young people uh, discovering this music for themselves and playing it. You know, you sounded like the oldest man know, alive I there. <laughs> I know, but um, yeah, but I mean a lot because I mean a lot of these references are like over fifty years. Yeah. Point, you know, and this is like the umpteenth wave of this sound being revived, but. This, yeah, there's something about it being played by by young people that, that that kind of makes it just feel really fresh again and exciting again. So the young folks. Yeah, so I, I think I think uh, I think as you as you say, they're just kind of starting out. They haven't they're, they're not on like a major label or anything like that. So they are just gonna hopefully just find their audience. Um, and that's it's hard. Of, it's hard work. Uh, I think really for a band of that size, it is really hard work, and I think like. 
people maybe don't kind of understand that because I think if you just look at their kind of Twitter profile, they they give off the vibe of you know just sort of happy go lucky. We're just doing some shows and we're just trying to put this record out, and you know we're just fun and you know we're having a great time. And that's the vibe you get from them, and that's and that is super cool. But I can tell you with authority behind the scenes, there is a lot of like a lot of hard work that will be going on in there. Um, yeah. And a track like that, which is two minutes and forty six seconds, um, I mean it can come about very very quickly and and you know be written in the length of time it takes to sing it and you know you just go to the studio and it's all magic straight away but you know there's complex three-part harmonies in there and there's a recording process that probably takes weeks in mastering all that sort of stuff so these guys are putting a shift in and for a small band like that i don't know enough about them to know if they've all quit their jobs and they're doing this full time or not but it's very possible that these guys are doing this in in their spare time whilst and trying to build this as a career whilst was trying to support themselves in other ways, so I have nothing but um, nothing but the utmost respect for artists in this phase of their career. And I, when it, when the music is this pleasant, um, I just really hope that you know it it does go somewhere for them. And, and you know, I think if I'm be- see if it's been super super critical of them, um, and I say this from a place of love, I think they sound so. It's not identical to the choral, but they, they, they sound quite similar. That um you, you kind of would want them, I'd say, to be thinking about on their next record or the one after that, about going somewhere and doing something that is uniquely them, that is yeah. that is the dream machine and making a statement that is that is their own and challenging themselves with different instruments, different instrumentation and, and different songwriting methodologies and all that sort of stuff and, and that comes from a place of love because I would you know I just instantly get good vibes from this project as they say yeah absolutely all right well, we'll go back to that kind of idea of affectation versus authenticity you know a lot of groups kind of start off sounding like the record collection and then they do become more and more themselves as, as they make more records so yeah, I think that that could happen, but and as you say, I think a lot of effort's gone into making this track sound so effortless. You know, it does. It feel it totally tumbles forth. This track, it, it feels mm. like it almost writes itself, but at the same time, there are a lot of things going on with it as well. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I can see this appealing to fans of the core, obviously, but certainly even like Jake Bug fans. And I'd noticed that the 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 group had done the Tim Burgess listening party on Monday night, so. I think that should hopefully bring them to a wider audience as well. And and that, that kind of Britpop guitar music audience are a really kind of lucrative audience as well and a really kind of loyal audience as well. And they are one of the main groups that still buy records and things. So so yeah, if they can if they can kind of click into that market, then I think they'll be on to a winner. Once you ocean colour scene, you just never go anywhere else. Am I right? It certainly seems that way. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, listen. Hope these guys um, are very successful. Hope this record does really well. I hope they come back and make another one, um, and more power to their collective elbows, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and now we're going to listen to something French. I don't mean that as some kind of euphemism. That's actually the name of the song. <laughs> it's something French by Isolde Lassoen. Pronunciation on point, my friend. Spot on. I was hoping you'd say we. I was hoping you go we. Not not quite as good.
good and fluent as I was earlier, but still pretty good. We oui. fair enough. We oui, we oui. baguette. Is there something Bond theme about that, or is it just me? No, I think there definitely is. Absolutely, maybe like In Roger Moore Bond theme rather than sort of modern Bond theme. But there's something kind of classically kind of camp about that that I really 
really liked. Definitely, yep. And just those John Barry strings. Um, yeah, absolute Bond, Bond vibes. Yeah, and I actually think it ends on a some kind of like uh, additional ninth chord. That's a pointless reference, but it, it ends in a kind of enigmatic, unusual chord yeah. phrasing, um, just right at the very end of the track there. And that also makes me think of you know the old, the famous Bond chord that uh, was invented for the kind of inconclusive. Yeah, like hmm. conclusion. Yeah. Definitely. So. Tell us all about Isolde Lassoen, please, because it's not someone I know hee-haw about. Yeah, absolutely. So Isolde, um, for years, has been kind of best known as a drummer uh, with an act called Dan, um, solo project of singer-songwriter Daniel Steuven. Um, so she was drummer and singer with Dan's project and she was also a collaborator she, she's played with with lots of different musicians over the time and she has released uh, music under her own name previously uh, but she said with this new record she said this is the album that she's always wanted to make this is 100% what I want this record is 100% me um, so yeah so this feels like a kind of breakthrough for her uh, artistically Um and it came about because in 2021 she had a big hit in Belgium with her take on Aphrodite Child, The Four Horsemen. Um, are you familiar with The Four Horsemen, Ian? The track? Um, not the track, just the, the general of Apocalypse chaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, the, the Four Horsemen by Aphrodite's Child is this bonkers faintly scary psychedelic prog epic about the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm. that actually sounds like the four horsemen of the apocalypse galloping towards you and out your speakers oh, man. Um, so just the idea that a cover of that could be a big hit in Belgium I just love that idea <laughs> I just wish that you know something that mad could be a big hit in the UK pop charts but um, but that kind of gave her the impetus to, to make this new record and, and she kind of realised that she could kind of lean into our eccentricities a little bit more and uh, really kind of incorporate all of our influences into this record. So, yeah, so she's a, she's a, she is a, a kind of jazz drummer by by train by training. So she's she's kind of pulling from a lot of the music that she loves. So like yeah, those kind of John Barry soundtracks, uh, psychedelia, prog, French, yeah, yeah, music. Um, just really kind of rich orchestrations and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so she's just kind of throwing it all into this album, um, and I just love this album. This is this is one of my, the best things I've heard this year, in my opinion. Oh um, wow! I love this album. High um, praise indeed. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's just it's it's a very varied record, but it's kind of orchestral pop with jazzy cosmopolitan French cool to it that that I really enjoy. Um, and I wasn't sure which track to bring in. This is probably one of the more direct and straightforward tracks, I would say. Yep. Um, in terms of the lyrics, it's kind of got that. You know, you know, they say like a band's second album is just all about them talking about being on tour. Yeah, there's a little bit of that about this track. She's kind of talking about, um, you know, how she misses her her love on tour and is is being being away from the love is is kind of real, made her realize just how much she she loves 
that person. Um, so there's a little bit of that about the lyrics, but for me, it's just all about how it sounds. Um, and it does sound like something French. Um, <laughs> it does, those, doesn't it? <laughs> those kind of fixed symphonic strings. It, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's just kind of like shooting for optimum grandeur, really. Uh, the way that um, a lot of those kind of Sainsbury-Gainsbourg um, productions used to do. I was going to say Serge um, as well. Yeah, John Claude Vanier used to do uh, the, the arrangements for his records, and they were just always so sumptuous and, and wonderful. Jean Claude um, Van Damme? No. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. No, he was a busy man. <laughs> um, and Sebastian Tellier as well, um, who's a, maybe a more recent example. Um, yeah, so I just, I'm, I'm a sucker for those those strings and that kind of sense of drama. Um, so that's why I picked this track. I think this is quite an accessible way into the album as well. Um, so yeah, I would really recommend uh, people check out the album. Yeah, I think there's something um, about the drums, the drumming on this, which has got that kind of, I mean, I mentioned Bond, but it's just cinematic in general. It's a sort of wide mm -hmm. rolling scope. And actually, um, you can grab your uh, Mecha Daubers right now because I think there's something about the radio head in the drumming here, um, mm -hmm. or there's something about the same influences on Radiohead that you know, might have got uh, as there. So Phil Selway's the Radiohead drummer. Um, and I was thinking about the track Burn the Witch a little bit um, and thinking that there's a sort of sense of wide scope and rolling drumming. Um, I'm not expert enough of a drummer to be able to explain the, the techniques here, but um, there's just something kind of kind of expansive about this drumming style on yeah. this track and, and, and widescreen and scope that just feels like it belongs on... You know, it's, it feels like if I close my eyes when I listen to this track, I feel like I'm in like a classic kind of European open top car and I'm driving through the Alps on a sunny yeah. day um, and the lady next to me has a headscarf and fashionable sunglasses on. And that's as far as my vision's gotten to at the moment. But I'm working on it. How's that for a review? How's that, Isolde? What do you think about that? I like that a lot. Our DMs are open. You saw that. Absolutely. And I mean, it's certainly in terms of, you just mentioned Burn the Witch, you know, that, that album, The Moonshaped Pool, that was where where a lot of the orchestrations were very mm. kind of Jean-Claude Vanier uh, and Serge Gainsbourg. So, yeah, like there's a track, The Numbers, which is just so sumptuous and wonderful. Um, yeah, so that all kind of, and of course, around that time, they did the they did their version of The Spectre. Mm-hmm. Uh, track that never made it onto the actual finished film, but yeah, so that should, checks out, doesn't it? We should have that on here. One week we should have that on here, that Radiohead track, and and review it, quote unquote, because it's it's so good, it's so good. Yeah, One so day when we do a Radiohead, when we do a Radiohead special, that's what we'll do. I mean, I say that as if we've as if we've ever talked about that before as an idea, but that actually would be quite a good idea. I'd really enjoy that. Um. We mention them every bloody week, so we may as well do our actual radio Make special real. one. Maybe Definitely. we should follow in Matthew's footsteps of um, Traitor's podcast. I mean, we should just do a Radiohead podcast. And probably there aren't many of those out there anyway. We could call it like Paranoid Android podcast or something and, and just go for it. Why not? Plan in the face podcast. Somebody's actually already done it. Oh, shit. All right. Fair not enough. named that, but... 
yeah, I bet there are. I bet there are loads, actually. I bet there's more than one. Um, and I wouldn't want to anyway, because reasons. So, um, okay, so, I, I'm, I, you know, to go back a few minutes to when you said this is one of your favourite records of the year, mm-hmm. I know that you've been listening to hundreds of records this year, practically, so I think that is worth a, a, worth a notice to our listeners that Andrew is saying that this... Um, Oh dear, by Isolde Lassoen is something that you should you should get your hands on. So, so let's go definitely, and do it. Definitely, yep. Um, and yeah, I'm I still need to get my hands on a copy of it. I think uh, I don't think there's anywhere in the UK that's stocking it at the moment. So I think I'm probably going to have to uh, get one sent across from. I think it's Holland that, that, that they're selling them from. Um, yeah, but yeah, I definitely want to get a copy of this because it's it's a wonderful record, um, and it's one that Isolde's pretty much she wrote, composed it, styled it herself, built all the tracks up herself. Um and then she's got some kind of trusted friends in to do those string arrangements and, and some of the instrumentation. But yeah, it's just a really rich uh, enveloping thing and very varied as well. There's a lot of kind of um you know some more kind of atmospheric moments and then there's some that are the kind of more straight ahead pop numbers. But yeah it's it's a really, really good record. I, I think it's really strong. Okay. So, yeah, so, so check it out. Yeah, after it, everybody. And let us know what you think. Okay. Um, right, so fifth new track, last new track of the week, uh, this week, and it is To Miranda by Rudy Deanda. Why are you laughing? <laughs>
be better nonsense at the end. <laughs> I actually think it's totally essential for the for the meaning of the track. Mm-hmm. Actually, so it's wonky. It's psych. It's in another language, and no one's ever heard of it. So it's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely perfect for you, Andrew. Isn't it just? Catnip. It's catnip, Andrew. Tumirada by Rudy Deanda. I have to say, like that's I think my third listen to that. I normally do squeeze in a few more listens before I review a track, but. <laughs> it's just a lot. There's <laughs> just a lot going on there. <laughs> the first, the first half of it, like I could listen to repeatedly, but the second half of it, when it just starts going really wacky, like really wiggly, wooly stuff, and the organs going banana. Um, yeah, I just you were pulling some funny faces at that point. I was just, I was just totally in the zone. I was just totally, <laughs> I was there. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, Rudy Deanda, from what I can learn online, um, actually there's quite a lot of reviews of this record online. So sometimes when, when we review stuff that seems kind of like, I've never heard of it, if it's an, an artist that I'm not familiar with, I go and look for reviews online and there's like nothing. Like it's just literally Bandcamp and Last FM and stuff and there's no actual review material. But actually this, this record's been reviewed a lot um, and I think that suggests that um, this is an artist that, in America anyway, that there's a lot of people see a lot of value in and a lot of value in the music as well. So I don't have a lot to add in terms of biographical stuff, as everyone will expect by this point. But um, before we get to actually reviewing the track, who is Rudy Deanda? Uh, that's a good question. So He's an enigma wrapped inside you- a mystery, wrapped inside a question mark. Indeed. I've got, I've got a, a wee phrase here. Conceived in the 1980s in Mexico and brought to California for the border inside of his six-month pregnant mother. That's quite a good way to start a story, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah, so, so that's, that's where it started for him. And so he conceived in Mexico, brought to California. Do we have to know where he's conceived? Some... Is that really essential to the story? I think it kind of is because he, he kind of sees himself as having those Mexican roots and that kind of multicultural heritage. Um, and he said, he said before that that's important to his music, but he's also said that, he, he says, I write my own story. I don't want to be defined by any particular scene. So he's somebody that's kind of mixing a lot of different things together. Um and the early music that he made was the kind of music that you maybe typically associate with California. So it was very kind of sunny and like yeah, that kind of sunshine psych sound, uh, very kind of laid back. Um, uh, and then for this new album, which is his second record, he moved out of California for the first time. So he he did a lot of writing in Chicago, um, and then he recorded the album in Austin, Texas. Um, with Adrian Quesada, who we've reviewed on the show before mm. uh, from the Black Panthers, but Black Pumas, I beg your pardon. Um, so yeah, so he's Adrian Quesada is again another kind of artist that's kind of bringing a lot of different genres together, a lot of kind of uh, analog and vintage sounds, as well as these kind of soul and psych sounds. And um, so I think that that is a really kind of good marriage. And on this record. 
he's 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 gathered together a lot of really cool players. Um, so on drums you've got Daniel Villarreal, who again we've played before. See, even we've covered some ground. And and that. doing doing um, quite well in the Liga as well, Daniel Villarreal. <laughs> Indeed. So he's on he's on drums. Um, Kyle Davis on organ. Uh, Blake Rain from Joanne Jones and Indications uh, was involved with the writing as well. So a lot of really kind of cool. Uh, artists on this record, and I think that's maybe why it's getting uh, some good press. Just, just the kind of the caliber of the players on it. Um, it's coming out on Karma Chief Records, which is like the the rock, um, the rock kind of arm of uh, Coal Mine Records, which is a really cool modern soul label. So, just, just there's a lot of really cool credentials on this record. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of pulling from there's some kind of Mexican rhythms in there. There's soul. Uh, Rudy's talked about uh, the Kinks and the Velvet Underground as well. So there's that kind of classic rock and roll '60s psych thing going on. So in terms of uh, the Kinks, there's a track called "Hey Mister Son," which reminds me a lot of the Kinks. And for the Velvets, there's that track called "Murder Mystery Part 2, which is kind of taken on from uh, the Velvet Underground track. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of kind of 60s psych in there, um, some soul, and then it just kind of goes into that mad jazz funk fusion passage at the end, which which is a lot of fun, I think. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole amount to say about the track. I just think it's very cool, very summery, and it's just got a real kind of great sense of feel to the whole thing. The playing is brilliant, and um, yeah, it just... Puts a smile on my face. Yeah, right? I like the um, I like the open. Well, it's not just the opening; it runs through the track. But the um, the melody line where everything kind of follows the do 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 like that bit. Mm-hmm. Initially, before the drums arrive, it sounds really wonky. It sounds really kind of the timing of it sounds really odd. And then when the drums arrive, mm-hmm. the drums are very regular rhythm in a way that they're so conventional the drums like they are it is just a rock beat that's played essentially um kind of takes you by surprise but even the drums have to stop for that section when it arrives and then can come back in again um and i really like the awkwardness of the timing that made me think a little bit of love there's bits of forever changes to mm-hmm. think of that and yeah. obviously there's a kind of uh, uh a latin kind of link uh, in there as well um Shout out to the to the um, record sleeve as well, which has been clearly done by my dearly departed uh, grandpa McKinstry, because these are the kinds of noodlings <laughs> he would do on a on like a serviette um, with felt pens, right. um, and it's just it's a bit crap, and it really like it's just not very good. It's just yeah, a bit weird yeah. and crap. Like it's literally done with felt pens. But I think that kind of it's also to the the name of the the record is Closet Botanist, and so it's a it's, it's like yeah. a sort of really kind of almost childish sketch of like a metal gate with like I don't know it's like roses and just like flower shapes and leaves and a bush and a, maybe a path going across it. So it's it's almost it's almost scribbly nonsense, but at the same time the the colours are quite effective and it does remind me it also reminds me of forever changes the cover of forever changes a little bit as well so it's kind of like pants but also quite interesting as well 
And I think that that wonky start to the song and the sort of kind of almost flat singing and then this really sort of odd structure with the kind of everything stops to go do-do-do-do-do-do. The whole thing just sounds kind of lopsided and odd, but also kind mm-hmm. of tuneful as well and kind of fun. Um, and then it just goes berserk and there's just the the wildest like organ like twiddling you're going to hear anytime in 2023, I think. And then, as you know, it ends in that sort of collapsing, reversing, <laughs> you know, found sound bit right at the end, which kind of, as you said, just sounds a bit daft, you know, it sounds a bit mad. So um, I just think a track like that is really, it's not its not one you can, I could personally listen to a lot of that, but when it does come along, it's, it's nourishing for the brain. It really makes you think. And we've talked about loads of those yeah. tracks over the over the years on here, and that is just another example of something that, you know, it's not going to be top of the Spotify most streamed list, certainly, but no. uh, the folk who get it will really, really get it. And I would like to tell you that I am among that small and funky crowd who got it. That's a man. <laughs> yeah. That's in um, your man here, uh, what's his name, Andy Pandy? Rudy Deanda. He... Um, has been discovered here by a relatively small Scottish music podcast. And I think the folk who are going to listen to us and listen to this, some of them, because I know some of them are big uh, record chaps like your good self and ladies as well, they are going to they're going to get this. But there's going to be a lot of folk listening to our podcast that would never listen to this track and just would not because they wouldn't want to, but just because they'd never find it. So Kudos to you, Andrew, for for bringing something like this along, and actually all of these tracks today, because I think this is a pretty bloody good um, playlist overall. So lo- lo- lots yeah, of fun. On here. I've enjoyed them. This yeah, week. they've been really good. Yeah, definitely good stuff. Um, okay, so that's us reviewed new music. So what we're going to do just now is we are going to move on to our final segment of uh, final segment du jour to say something French. Um, and we are going to listen to Andrew's vinyl word. So for those of you who have heard this before, you know what it is. Andrew goes physically to his record collection and he yanks something down um, from his shelves, which are just a lean to the left or a lean to the right now that he's moved up to the attic. Um, and he tries to find something that connects with the music that we listened to today. Sometimes that's a very deep connection. Sometimes it's a little bit of a flimsy connection, but uh, it is what it is. So... Um, just before we get to that, can I just remind everyone, hey, we're out here on Instagram, we're out here on Twitter, um, we are producing this music podcast for the love of the game every single week. If you want to support us, then listen to the podcast, recommend it to your friends, send us messages, we'll read them out if we think they're funny or whatever, or we want to talk about them. Um, and if you want to sponsor this podcast financially, then do you know what, Andrew? You actually can. You can. Just go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash wehearedwonders and you can send us some cashola in order to do that. So, without further ado, the vinyl word. All right. So, the Rudy track that we just listened to is called Tumorada. Tumorada. And Tumorada translates to your look. So, I've chosen to play this out today the fantastic track by British group Metronomy titled The Look. Um, And The Look is taken from Metronomy's 2011 album English Riviera. And in my opinion, it's an absolute masterclass in wonky lithio pop. We've mentioned wonky a few times today. 
But yeah, Wonky Leffield Pops, the name of the game with Metronomy. Um, We've been a bit wonky today, haven't we? <laughs> we have. We have been a bit all over the shop. Um, English Riviera is a modern classic, as far as I'm concerned. I, I love this album. Um, the primary song- songwriter, Joseph Mount, has a real gift for writing these uh, really kind of endearingly odd, but really catchy uh, tracks that combine classic pop with contemporary electronic indie bring in elements of yacht rock and balearic music as well uh, in a really interesting way and and yeah i just think everything comes together perfectly on this album um i think it's the best thing that they've done i don't anything they've done since has quite lived up to it but um yeah i think this is this is just an album that 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 will kind of continue to to be really really strong um and it's got had a few tracks on it that have become kind of staples for adverts and soundtracks and stuff so i'm sure a lot of people even if they don't know know this song they'll probably recognize it but i just thought this would be a fun way to play this out today again it's it's a it's quite a summary track and i feel feel like it kind of fits in quite well with some of the tracks that we've talked about this week as well so yeah so the look by metronomy is going to play us out this okay Then let us say goodbye to our lovely listeners and we shall catch you down the road. See you later, guys.